0: The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc., or its employees.
1: Welcome to Smart Company's Thinking Bigger Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Now, there's a company called Solar Roadways that's been making the news quite a lot lately, and they're working on putting solar power generation into our streets, our highways, parking lots, sidewalks, basically our paved pathways. And the principals of the company are Scott and Julie Brusaw from Idaho, and they're here today, or Scott's here anyway, to talk about this concept. Welcome to the show today, Scott. Hi,
2: thanks for having
1: me. Absolutely. Okay, so essentially, you are talking about you're proposing to turn highways, as I said, and parking lots into giant solar energy arrays. And this idea has just taken off through social media thanks to George Takai of Star Trek fame. Uh, tell us about the concept, uh, a little bit more about it. Where did you come up with the idea?
0: It's actually my wife's idea. Ah. Uh, We've known each other since we were three and four.
1: Oh, my. My <laughs> <laughs>
0: mother used to babysit me. So way back then, my favorite toy was a slot car track, which is an electric road with electric vehicles. And my brainstorm as a six-year-old is if we could make real roads electric, then kids could drive. Relieve our parents that awesome responsibility.
1: You were thinking this as a kid?
0: Yeah, I mean, electric roads. I didn't never even heard of solar, of course. Sure. And the idea stuck with me. I've still got drawings from middle school and high school about electric roads. And, you know, years later I had electrical engineering degrees and I could make an electric road but had no reason to. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: then about, what was it, 10 years ago when Al Gore's movie came out, An Inconvenient Truth, and the phrase global warming started sort of slowly creeping into the nightly news. And Julie turned to me one day, she said, can't you make your electric roads out of solar Mm panels? And I said, no, you know, those things are fragile you can't step on them, let alone drive for them. And she just dropped it. But the seed was planted, and it started bothering at that. Well, you know, if we could make some kind of structurally engineered case to protect the solar cells, we might be able to pull this off. And we thought about the black box on an airplane, because that's really what that is, a structurally engineered case that protects some sort of recording equipment. So we started bouncing ideas around. We thought, well, our surface is going to have to be clear. So initially, we were thinking something like high, some kind of high-impact plastic. Mm-hmm. But we were told the plastic yellows under the sun at a rate of about 10% per year, plus the petroleum-based product, which we are trying to get away from. Exactly. And then I looked up, since I'm not a materials engineer, I looked at the top materials research labs in the nation. They At the time, were Penn State University and the University of Dayton. So I went and visited both of them. And without hesitation, they both told me, use glass. And I glass. gave them a talk I looked like everybody gives me. And <laughs> they said, I know, I know. Not window glass. Think of bulletproof glass. Think of bomb-resistant glass. Mm-hmm. And glass people talk in formula. So they, at the time, UD was working on uh, bomb-resistant glass for the Humvees in Iraq because uh, 60% of our casualties coming back were from roadside bombs. And they were trying to beef up the strength of the window so the window didn't become shrapnel. And they said, you know, we could tweak the formula of this glass and lay it down on a highway and it will take anything an 18-wheeling can do to it. So that's where we started. So now we had the ability to protect those solar cells, but we live in North Idaho. We get a lot of snow here. We have solar panels on the roof, and as soon as the snows, they stop producing because they're blocked from the sun.
1: Uh, yes, and that's something that, that's what I have a question about, is what about places like where you live uh, in the Northeast? What do you do about places where there's a lot of cloudy days or a yeah. lot of snow cover?
0: Well, that's what we thought. We have—we can't just let them s- sit there and collect snow. They stop working. So we thought about the rear window of a car. We, that's the technology, the heating element, the rear window, and, you know, heating glass in the back of a car has been done for decades. Right. So we added a heating element to keep the glass just above freezing so snow and ice can't, you know, stick to it. Then we thought we can't paint road lines either because if you paint the top of their, our panels, you're blocking some of the solar cells.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we thought let's put LEDs because we found a study that somewhere in the U.K. they'd use what they called solar road studs. And they positioned these every 10 or 15 feet on the road where the lines were to show the motors where, where their lines were. And they found it reduced nighttime accidents by 70%. Hmm. So we incorporated the LEDs to paint the road lines. And then if you have LEDs, you have to have a microprocessor to drive them. So we added a microprocessor. Now you got basically a computer.
1: <laughs> it sounds like
0: it. Microprocessors <laughs> that we use, are, they're transceivers. Meaning they, they can talk to each other wirelessly. And any vehicle going overhead is properly equipped. So this is how it started. We, so the idea started snowballing, and now we have an idea, but we don't know where to go for it because it costs a lot of money to build any kind of paving material.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And around 2009, the Federal Highway Administration came out with a solicitation for some kind of new paving material that could pay for itself over its lifespan because the cost of road maintenance and construction have gone so high, we can't afford to maintain our current roads. So we applied for that and received a Phase 1 SBIR contract. SBIR is Small Business Innovative Research. And basically what they really want you to do is go to universities and get, the, get these guys, the materials guys, and the civil engineer guys, and structural engineer guys, have them write scientific papers just to say, yeah, this is feasible, what they're talking about. And we already had a bunch of uh, professors on board that were helping us through the mechanical and civil engineering side of the, the design. And so I, I called them up, as the Federal Highway Administration, I said, I can bury in paperwork, I'm going to do that anyways, so that's what you want. <laughs> if you take a little bit of that money, I'll build a crude prototype, and they loved that idea. So that was our phase one prototype. And I'm glad we built that because we learned a lot.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure that you did. Now, now let me <laughs> let me stop you uh, right Go there ahead. for just a minute. Okay, you got the highway, the SBIR funding through the highway department. Let's talk about what you're doing for funding right now. You decided, and, and why did you decide to use Indiegogo to crowdfund? I guess why did you decide to crowdfund to begin with? Why Indiegogo and I mean, you just yesterday, I believe, you decided to extend the crowdfunding effort because you just hit, what, $2 million?
0: Yeah, we crossed $2 million a couple of days ago. We actually extended in May. Okay. The CEO of uh, Indiegogo called us because we were we were kind of looking forward to it ending. It's a lot of work. We're working 18-hour days on this campaign. And he said, you guys are still bringing in like five dollars or $10,000 an hour. You really you you want to, really want to turn
1: your back on that? Yeah.
0: And I said, well, if we met our goal. We need to get back to work, and it, it, we're, we feared it would look greedy to just keep the thing open. He says, No, it's not that. People want to donate to your cause. People are getting behind us like something we've never seen before. We had already set their record. I think the record somebody built a Tesla museum, and their record for donations was 33,000 different donors, and we've exceeded 45,000 now. Oh, my and gosh. They keep this open. People want to become a part of this. So, okay.
1: So, when you talk about the 1800 days, now you had a lot of help. I know that you saw a big surge. After George Takai posted, and I believe Julian Lennon commented on that, and it just exploded. I mean, there were days, seriously, there were days where I could not open up my Facebook page without seeing that post many times and you know it's like okay i've seen this i've seen this keep going <laughs> but it was that's how viral it went and it really had a direct impact on the fundraising ability didn't it
0: did um, matter of fact we started off pretty slow we were kind of worried we're gonna we'll never make our goal at this rate and it was you know jesse the body ventura liked it <laughs> <Got> a little <laughs> bit out of that then julian lennon i think it was just one word somebody one of his fans brought it up and he just wrote tweeted clever and all of a sudden we got this huge spike and then About the same time, we had a a volunteer from Canada contact us. He says, if you can give me some footage of the parking lot, I can make a video that should go viral and really boost your your campaign. So we gave it to him.
1: What are they?
0: They're solar freaking roadways. And, you know, he volunteered. It was Michael Nathan who made the solar freaking roadways video.
1: Yeah, that's the one I kept seeing on Facebook. They're solar
0: freaking roadways. Yeah, and that thing just exploded. And that happened about the same time that George Sakai... Uh, commented about us. Mythbusters commented about us. It all happened at once, and it just blew up. We've had people tell us they're tired of seeing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's still earning you money, though, so, so don't knock it. When you talk about, I just want to kind of bring this into it, too, into your story, because there are listeners out there who probably, as entrepreneurs, they're wondering if crowdfunding is really a viable funding route. And you mentioned well, we talked about uh, how you got started there, but you mentioned that it's you're working 18-hour days uh, to do this. What is involved then? That's causing you to have to work 18-hour days on this funding effort through Indiegogo.
0: Julie works the media, social media side. She does okay. Facebook. I don't I'm not that familiar with it. Facebook, Twitter, all the things that she does. And while she's doing that, I'm doing these interviews. You know, Indiegogo sets up a lot of these interviews for us. And I'm working, I handle the technical questions, she handles the media side of it. Mm-hmm. We do this all day long. Plus, I'm still trying to finish our parking lot. I'm still under contract <laughs> with the Federal Highway Administration, <laughs> and my final report is due to July 15th, and this is completely disruptive.
1: Oh, um, yeah.
0: Anyways, we do it. She says social media dies down about, we're on Pacific time, it dies down around 11 p.m. midnight.
1: So oh, that's wait. when
0: we start shooting videos, because one of our perks, for $100, we get on, we stand on our prototype parking lot and we thank you personally for your donation. We didn't dream that this would become a popular perk. Exactly. And it, we can do we can shoot about ten a night because it takes a long time to do all the editing and you know you got to go back to the Indiegogo site and mark them as fulfilled and all this stuff. Right. We can do ten a night and I think we're up over seven hundred and fifty orders. Now. <laughs> so we spend half the night shooting videos. And I spend half the next day editing the videos, getting them sent out, and then the cycle just starts all over again.
1: So, so people who think that they can just slap a site up there and, you know, if we build it, <laughs> they will come, are sorely mistaken. Because you have turned into full time PR people, and yeah, it, it, matter of fact, Julie
0: warned me. She knew. She kind of saw it was coming. She says, "You realize it's going to take all day." And I said, "Ah, three or four hours
1: tops. Come on." <laughs>
0: And now she says, even I was wrong. I thought it would take all day. It's taken more than all day.
1: It definitely is. So, it so, takes over
0: your life. Right?
1: Absolutely. And as you say, you've got the real work of the business to still focus on, too. So yeah. talk to us, uh, before we go to break here, let's talk about where you see the potential. What do you, why, why should we do this? You mentioned uh, the fact that you saw Al Gore's movie and, and the, the whole effect of global warming and sustainability, all of these things, which I want to talk about in more detail after the break. But what are some of the immediate, what are some of the other um, peripheral advantages of going to this type of surface?
0: Driving safety.
1: What do you mean by that?
0: Eliminate, like, if we can reduce 70% of nighttime accidents like they did in the U.K., And I don't even know what the numbers are for people who crash on ice and snow Mm if we eliminate those. I'm 56, and I live on a long, winding, mountainous road. I'm 10 half miles on the highway. And at night, my night vision's going, so I have a hard time seeing where the edge of the road is. If it's raining, forget it. But if I could light up the shoulder lines and the middle lines, it would be like driving on a video game. It would be a whole lot safer than what we're doing now. And then, again, we live in North Idaho, so that road is treacherous in the wintertime. If you can eliminate the snow and ice, you're going to prevent an an awful lot of accidents and deaths and injuries.
1: Right. Well, and along that safety, I believe I've read somewhere that somehow these roadways are going to communicate if there's an obstacle like wildlife or or some other thing that's in the road that shouldn't be.
0: That's something we can add. On our first prototype, we had what's called pressure sensors. Well, they're called load cells, and it turns each panel into a weight machine. So when I step on that panel, it detects about 210 pounds doesn't know what it is. It could be a pedestrian. It could be a kid on a bike. It could be a deer. It could be a fallen tree branch. It doesn't really matter. It just knows that that 3,000-pound object coming around the curve at 40 miles an hour doesn't want to collide with it. So the road's intelligent. It can tell that driver in the road slow down or danger or whatever you want to do. It can Mm -hmm. even flash red LEDs.
1: Yeah. And so you also, this is one I did not understand, and actually I didn't find a lot of information about it, but something about you'll be able to treat and transport fresh water. Where does that come from?
0: That came from uh, when we got the Phase two contract from the Federal Highway Administration. They had eight points. Well, when they came out with the solicitation, there were eight points they wanted us to address. And they said, if you can cover like four to six of them, you'll be all right. we covered all eight. One of them, they threw in there was stormwater. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what it was. I had to look it up. It's basically rain. Um, that you know, if you've got a hard rain and the ground saturates, and this water goes across your lawn, it picks up pesticides or fertilizers, whatever you happen to have on there. Mm-hmm. Goes out in the street, picks up oil, antifreeze, whatever's dropped out from under cars, and this toxic cocktail usually goes into the nearest body of water, or lakes, right. streams, whatever. They found that over fifty percent of the pollution in our nation's waterways comes from stormwater. So they just kind of threw that in there, hoping we could tackle it. And we started Why not? About that because, yeah, why not? <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're solving all the rest it's, of the world's yeah, problems. Why not? We started thinking
0: about our driveway here. If we're going to do our driveway with basically a heating blanket to melt the snow, that's, that melted water has to go somewhere. And if we just let it roll off the edge of the, the driveway or the road, it'll saturate the ground and refreeze and cause heaving and damage the road.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: in, in conjunction with what they want us to do with stormwater, we can capture that coming off. If you look at the prototype park, lot, you can see the grates beside it. Your typical road has a three percent crown, meaning it's angled both ways at three percent to allow water runoff. Inside that grate is our cable quarter, and we have a stormwater section. And we can we talked we visited the Center for Urban Waters in Tacoma, and they are studying this uh, the whole phenomenon of the pollution on our waterways. And they you know of these uh, filtration socks you can put in. They have certain kind of rocks that take out a lot of the toxins. Mm -hmm. We can line the inside of that with us and take out all the particulates, and the the water continues on through, and we have a storage tank under the frost line so it won't refreeze. Hmm. And then we have pumps that allow us to pump the water either direction up and down the road, or we can just put it into the the current drainage system. But that would allow you to move that water to a place where it can actually be used, like an aquifer, an agricultural center. We had a hydrologist tell us once, if you could move water just 200 miles in this country, you'd solve all the drought problems.
1: Oh, that's true. I can believe that. Okay, so you have gone through quite a list of advantages, and mm-hmm. besides the fact that you know it'll capture this solar energy, so you, there's a lot of advantages. There have been a lot of critics uh, as well. First, I want to take a break, and then I want to come back and address some of that, because I know you've heard them all. So we want to (laughs) um, make a shout-out to our sponsor, Benedictine College, and when we get back, we're going to continue this conversation with Scott Broussall, who is the founder of a company called Solar Roadways that proposes to turn our sidewalks, streets, highways, parking lots into solar power-generating surfaces. We'll be right back.
0: Do you practice entrepreneurship? Intrapreneurship? Do you know how to show what you know? Benedictine College Executive MBA Program has been the launching pad for many successful innovative products, services, and ventures. As the only one-year executive MBA program in Kansas City, our conveniently located North Johnson County campus and weekend class times will fit your busy schedule. Go to benedictine.edu slash EMBA to learn more about our program. Hi, I'm Jason Lofton, CEO, President of QTI Incorporated. Every Friday, we discuss ways for small business owners to prosper and excel in their industry. So join us every Friday, 10 a.m. Central Time, right here on the Small Business Thinking Bigger Radio Network.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're talking here today with Scott Brusaw, who is the owner of Solar Roadways, and we have been talking about how His company is proposing to turn all of our paved surfaces, our sidewalks, our streets, highways, parking lots, into solar arrays. And we've been going through some of the advantages. Well, we talked about how he got the idea to begin with. It gives a lot of credit to his wife. And and then the crowdfunding behind it and the advantages of this concept. Now, You've been all over the news that said, of course, once you start getting publicity, you also start <laughs> getting people who start digging and and finding the flaws in, in the concept. So, so one of the biggest, really, the hands-down biggest is the cost of this. You mentioned earlier that uh, it's costly to maintain our current highway system. It is, but some people have actually, the math they've done, say that 50% or that this is a proposal it is 50 percent more expensive than traditional roads and not only that that it would cost some estimates put it as much as 56 trillion dollars which is about 20 (laughs) times the annual federal budget so how do you address that even if everything else works perfectly how do you address the cost of of implementing this
0: well the numbers you see floating out there are guesses we haven't released any numbers at all so you know they're welcome to guess all they want. I've seen anywhere from one trillion to sixty trillion, and based, of course, on guesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, but what they're doing, what the problem with the the way they're trying to to uh, look at this is they're comparing an asphalt road to a solar roadway. Okay. That's Not it's not an apple to apple comparison. To make it fair, with everything a solar roadway does, you'd have to take that asphalt road, and now you have to add a power generation facility like a coal plant or a nuclear plant, plus all the materials the coal, the uranium, whatever you burn to make that power. You have to throw in a power distribution system. You have to include snow plowing, uh, pothole repair, line repainting, all the things you don't have to do with a solar roadway. So it's not an apple-to-apple comparison. It's apple to a fruit basket. (laughs) you roll all that in, it's actually probably cheaper. And that just makes it, that's just to install it, right? Right. Now, here's here's an example I give people because it brings it closer to home. If you've got a driveway that you need to either build for the first time or redo, your choices right now are black top or concrete. Regardless of which one you pick, when you have that contractor come in and he's done, you write him a check and he drives off and that money's gone forever. If you have him install a solar roadway version of a parking or a driveway, the minute he plugs that in, it starts paying for itself. And that's why the Federal Highway Administration contracted us to do this. They Mm -hmm. need a paving system that can pay for itself.
1: Okay, when you there say. There will be
0: a high upfront cost, but the thing will pay for itself over its lifespan.
1: Okay, and it'll pay for itself how? By the solar energy that it captures and is reused in the stormwater? Okay, primarily
0: it'll be the electricity because if you're a homeowner, it's going to feed your house. If you're a business owner, it's going to feed your business. If it's rural streets or city streets, it's going to feed the city businesses. And you can start. You're producing electricity. That's how it pays
1: for itself. Okay. Is this an all or nothing proposition? Let's say let's just no. go let's just go with a cost is, is an obstacle. Let's just go with that for a minute. Could we reduce the cost by uh could you put these along side roads? Could you uh along not along side roads, but uh, along the uh what do you, what do you call that? The do you do? The me the median or the the, the, shoulder. the shoulder. Thank you. Yeah, uh, the median <laughs> or the shoulders. Could could you get by with doing that, or is it an all or nothing that this doesn't work? Well, we can
0: put them anywhere, okay. anywhere under the sun. No pun intended. But <laughs> what we're what we're shooting for. and I mean, we touched on that before the break. Is our original intent of doing this was the global warming issue. We've got at that time, you know, the the numbers were loose. They said about 50 percent of greenhouse gases came from burning fossil fuels to make electricity. Another 25% came out of our tailpipes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we thought if we could cover, and we had at that time like over 20,000 square miles of surfaces that are paved in this country exposed to the sun, then we crunched the numbers and figured if we could do this on all those paved surfaces, and we could produce three times more electricity than we use as a nation. Now, to answer your question, if it's three times more than we need, then no, we don't have to pave all the surfaces.
1: Okay. And, and we're going
0: to start off, you know, people also think, oh, they're going to come around on the highways and start slapping these down. Yeah. We're not. We're going to start off with non critical applications, being driveways and parking lots and sidewalks and bike paths, because we know there's going to be lessons to be learned.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we'll
0: move out in the streets until we're absolutely it. convinced. And then we'll move out onto residential roads, because there will be you know, slow moving, lightweight vehicles. Mm-hmm. And There will be more lessons to be learned. And our ultimate goal would be the fast lane of the highway.
1: Okay. That will come last. Another thing that you mentioned earlier that caught my attention. You said that uh, really they're like little computers. By the time you've added all these features, these these uh, pieces and components, that they're they're computers that are working underneath the wheels, the tires of our car, and that you can communicate with the vehicles actually. Okay. With the age that we live in, with all the hacking and all of the uh, issues that we have with security and privacy, do you make our roadways prone to that as well, then?
0: We will have to have a team of cybersecurity specialists because, yeah, every hacker in the world is going to want to draw pictures on the road or cause (laughs) accidents, whatever it is they think they can do. And Um, that's something we're going to have to deal with.
1: All right. Okay, cloudy days. You address the snow. It's going to melt the snow, so that's not going to be an issue. We're not going to have to shovel the snow. But what about cloudy days? There's some well, you still areas- have
0: to melt the snow even at night when you're generating zero power. So the way we have our system set up here is we had our utility company come out and put in one of those re- reversible meters so we can spin backwards.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So during the day, we're producing a lot of power with our parking lot, and we can spin that meter backwards. At night, we still have to feed those microprocessors and the LEDs for whatever lines we have lit up. That comes back off the goods. So we're using what's called virtual storage. Okay. Now, we can use any storage system we want. We could put a bank of batteries out there if we want and capture the power during the day and use, use it at night or fly with any type of technology in the world.
1: Okay. Well, I think, I think I led you down the wrong path by bringing up snow again. What I mean, it's just cloudy days. In, 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 in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest, it rains and it's cloudy. How do you capture solar energy whenever it's – when there's no sun?
0: It produces a little, but not nearly as much as on a sunny day. Okay. I did a presentation in Seattle once, and part of the presentation was a solar map that shows where it's sunniest, and, of course, Arizona is red and Alaska is blue. <laughs> and I was getting ready to present, and I looked at Seattle, and I thought, oh, no, they're blue. How am I going to, how is this going to work here? Right. And I had time the next day before my presentation, and I called a couple of local solar installers, and I said, how are you even in business in Seattle? He says, well, we have more, we don't have the sun that California does, but we have more sun than Germany, and Germany's like, solar capital solar country of the world they they were still able what was a couple of weeks ago they produced 75% of their energy with solar alone
1: hmm well and they
0: they have the same solar footprint as alaska
1: okay well scott the world certainly is aware of you and your company now and everyone's watching hells out for some pressure as if you didn't know that <laughs> <laughs> anyway best of luck to you we'll continue to follow you and and see what develops but thank you for your time today All right. Thank you. Okay. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit us at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.